Welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name is Lucas. And I'm Travis. We're Southern men de-reconstructing the South. We, we were talking earlier about the um, about the Pharisees, and uh, I, I think we I think we both made you know good points. I mean, it's not like we were disagreeing with one another about them. Um, how the Pharisees were were not the they, they weren't how we make them out to be in like modern society, right? Uh, the, the Pharisees were were a bunch of low life hypocrites, but Christ never never condemned them for their high view of scripture. They just, he just condemned them because they didn't listen to scripture. Well, they, they expected everybody else to listen to it. They just didn't want to do it themselves. Right. So it was a whole lot of hypocrisy on their end. Um, And so I I think the specific thing that we mentioned, uh, well, I I mentioned it, but you agreed with it um, was that their, their metaphysics was actually correct, and a lot of their theology was correct. the The issue was whether they um, legitimately were trying to honor God, and what what we what they ran into, and they were called out by um, Malachi, and they were called out by um, Christ, and even Paul was that you know they would. They would tithe the they would tithe their seed, right? Whatever seed they had, um, and they would expect other people to tithe their seed. But then they would turn around and divorce their wives for no good reason, and they would, you know, basically turn their wives into prostitutes so that they didn't have to fulfill their obligation, or because they just wanted a new a new wife, because you know going to trade in this model for a new one right yeah or or that they would they would you know send their mother to live off in the the uh the first century version of a nursing home right yeah so that's really i think um i think i think that's really the the crux of the issue and today as you mentioned you know somebody's going to call you a pharisee because you're overly concerned about uh, you know, doctrinal correctness, which I'm putting big air quotes around that, right? But they they just they don't care about being that accurate in their theology. Um, and so you're a Pharisee because you want to be accurate in your theology. But that's not what Christ condemned them for. Never did. He condemned them for being hypocrites and a den of snakes because they knew the truth but refused to obey it. Right. Um, and I think, I think that's, you know, pretty interesting, you know, because everything that we learned from Christ was pure theology. Uh, I mean, cause he's, if he's talking about himself or anything, then we're literally learning about God. And it's just so ironic to me that these people would willingly remain ignorant of theology just to, I, I don't know. It's like they get some type of bona bona fides from you know not having the the um, the doctrinal correctness of of well any of the previous generation. Of course, you know these people think that church history started with Billy Graham, so it's really no surprising, right? right? Yeah. 
Well, and that's, uh, I, I think, I mean, that was me, right? That was me, yeah, a decade ago, where, you know, all these all these people who just care about their theology or are, uh, you know, they just want to be highfalutin or something. And it's not about being highfalutin. And I've had to go back and apologize to a lot of my friends for, you know, speaking ill of them when they were just trying to correct an error that I had. And I was just being stubborn is essentially how that went. You stubborn? I mean, I am Irish, so I have excuses. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So I I remember at the previous church that I was at, uh, this one guy was, was saying that, Oh yeah, we don't need theology. I just need Jesus. And I'm like, but, but who is Jesus though? Yeah, like, that's the classic line, and I love it. It's a good line. I mean, I mean, I I couldn't tell you who Jesus is without theology because, you know, he kind of, kind of, kind of is theology. <laughs> you know, well, he's he's the he's the Word made flesh, right? Right. And that that's a you you can't speak, a, and that's why the question is so formidable. You can't speak about Christ without getting into theology necessarily. Right. Um, and so, yes, you need to be a theologian. Um, I, th- I think um, I think it was Sproul who wrote the book. Everybody's a theologian. Yes, um, that's that's one of my favorite books, just because it it hammers hammers that point pretty su- sufficiently. Of you can't be a Christian and not be a theologian. You have mm-hmm. to be. I, I yeah I, I agree. I mean, I, it's just kind of. I mean, what is Christianity without actually talking about your your creator, right? Like, what is Christianity without um, knowing anything about God? Like, okay, yeah, we can experience it. Of course, the previous church I was at, experiencing God was rolling around on the floor, acting like a acting like a fool. Um, but is that helpful in the least bit i mean i would obviously i would say no um but some people i mean i I don't know what they got out of it because i never quote unquote had that experience right right well i mean and that and that's is you know i've been told that uh everything from the the issue today is people don't have enough faith which that that just goes to try to justify somebody's Pentecostalism or um, that, you know, the, the issue is we're so concerned with doctrine that we don't love people. Um, but the real question is, how do you love somebody if you're letting them intentionally, you're intentionally letting them live in error? Is that loving? And I don't well, think it can be. I would obviously have to go back to the entire um, the question of of um, what is love, right? Like by by what standard do we love people? You know, I mean, right? How do we even know what love is without an outside source telling us what love is, and and then automatically we're going to start getting into um, getting into actual like 
theology because then we need an actual standard to tell us what love actually is. I, I kind of just, you know, ran in circles saying that, but I, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, a useless question to ask that because, you know, you kind of, kind of have to make sense of everything. You have to have some sort of groundwork in order to define things. And if we right. can't, if we, so John says that God is love. What does that mean? He is, I mean, we, we would obviously know that as, you know, he is the very definition of where love comes from. But if we're not willing to actually put the groundwork in, then we're going to have a distorted view of love. Like for instance, if God is love, Okay, so this goes back to the whole uh, divine divine simplicity argument of um, there there are no parts of God, so God's justice is also God's love. So we can't separate those two, but we also need to know where these attributes come from, if that makes sense, and then how we define them or how they're... Not, not how we define them, but how they are defined in general. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, am I, am I that, making sense or am I just kind of... No, 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 that lead? makes sense. I mean, how, how does... Uh, I, if, if this is another way of saying it, um, how, how does God define himself to us? And what are the, what are the ramifications of that to our theology? Mm-hmm. Um, and getting into the whole, you know, issue of divine simplicity. Um, you know, when God says there's no, you know, I'm, I, I am not a man that I should lie, right? So I, I, I can't lie. It's impossible for God to lie. What does that really mean? Um, and that, that would mean that uh, it, it's a, it's it is completely outside um, the capacity of God to have contradiction within Himself, um, and that gets into His that that gets into the idea of simplicity, because God is one in His essence, and so there are no there are no there are not multiple wills within God. God has one will. God has uh, uh, one um, one being. He has one. Uh, uh, he, he doesn't have multiple attributes as we think of them, right? That's a that's another really big one. Um, uh, well, go back to that because I don't think some of the people you know they they might not be privy to this conversation or anything like that. What do you mean by? Um, why, why is it necessary for God not to have multiple, um, I would say parts, but you said it a little bit differently. Okay. okay. So, um, the, the, uh, there's a video by Kevin DeYoung and I, I think it would be helpful for us to, to, you know, put this in the, in the show notes for this, this episode. Um, essentially what we have here is that God uh, if if God is made of parts, if there is a an an element within God that is more fundamental than God, 
then that more fundamental element of God uh, is is a is a more true thing than God. If you separate if you separate God into pieces, then you have a bunch of things that are more true than God Himself. So, for instance, you know, m mankind is made of DNA. We have DNA. We are made up of flesh. We're made up of tendons. We're made up of bone. We're made up of spirit. And we are defined and limited by those various elements that are, for lack of a better word, building blocks of ourselves. And so humanity is built upon the more fundamental elements of spirit and flesh and bone and sinew. And those m more basic elements, those more fundamental elements, are more true than a human being is. Um, and so God himself must be the highest, the best, the most fundamental, and the most true. And since, since that is the case, we must affirm that God cannot be separated or... Uh, or, or for again, for lack of a better word, carved up in his essence, he has to be one single, um, undiv indivisible thing in and of himself, in his essence. And if he's not, then you have something more fundamental than God. And then whatever the rules of that more fundamental element of God would be would determine the goodness, the truth, the beauty of God himself. That makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, it does, and I, I think that um, the, the the layman term of um, not not being able to carve up God is is a really big key here because we, when we look, we obviously we have to use anachronistic terms when we're talking about this, mm -hmm. but at the same time, we have to have this overarching understanding that. Yes, I can talk about God's justice apart from his love and mercy. However, I have to have this overarching understanding that they are not separate. They are all-encompassing and that they will always be like his justice and mercy are not in conflict with one another, right? And can't be. Yeah, and necessarily can't be. I mean, right. um it's it when I say necessarily can't be, it's it's kind of like the whole question that atheists like to use. Oh well, can 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 God uh, make a rock so big that he can't lift? Well, well no, because God is not going to violate his very nature in order to um to to prove a point to you, atheist. Yeah. Well, so far we've talked about Pharisees and divine simplicity. Well, we were talking about. Uh, being very specific in our theolo theology, in our theological positions, and us being called Pharisees because we are trying to be very specific in our theological positions. And, and so this is one of those areas where, you know, you talk about this and somebody's just going to say, oh, that's nerd stuff. Or, you know, oh, you're just a Pharisee because you're so concerned about, you know, theology. And it's, it, it's, it's like, no, it's, we we all need to be concerned about divine simplicity. 
uh, if we're not concerned about divine simplicity, then there's a whole list of Trinitarian errors that we're going to run into because we didn't take the time, right? And we didn't, we didn't do our due diligence to make sure that we were honoring God by understanding him correctly. Because the whole point of any of this stuff, right? We, we, can, we can go down you know, the, the entire gambit of all these theological positions. The only reason to go down any of these roads is so that we can know God. I mean, this is John 17, right? That yeah. we can know God and we can know Jesus Christ, who is his son. That's literally the whole point of, of anything that we're doing. And if we stray from that one goal, we're missing the mark. We're, we're, we're losing out on the very thing, the only thing that matters, really. Nothing else really matters if we don't come to an understanding of who God is. Well, not to leap over a bunch of logical steps in order for to, for me to get to this position, but what, one of the one of the reasons that this this you know you know it's important this this quote unquote nerd stuff is important is because uh, the only thing that's at stake is is the gospel, L- literally. I mean, because okay, yeah. so obviously you've listened to enough of our podcast now to understand that we are reformed Christians. You know, we are thoroughly black coffee Calvinist. And, and once you give up on something like the divine simplicity, once you give up on, on, on the, the, the quote unquote nerd stuff of being, you know, thoroughly Trinitarian and everything, uh, by, by the way, most of these people that, that'll say that, Oh, that's just nerd stuff is, um, that they're, they're barely Trinitarians. They're Trinitarians in name only if, type thing. If, if um, at all. It, yeah. If at all, um, most of them are, functionally modalist and yeah. uh, I, I saw I, I told a pastor a former pastor about this and I'm like look I, I think if you polled most people on every Sunday that they're a functionally modalist and he disagreed with me but I'm like mm, no they are but the <laughs> reason that this nerd stuff is so important is because the gospel is a Trinitarian gospel yeah the Absolutely. father decrees a people for the son to redeem the son redeems these people. And then the, then the spirit draws these people to repentance. And whenever I, I mean, I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this, that it is an important fact that once, once we lose fact of who God is, everything falls apart. I mean, w- once we do that, we're, we're, essentially Jehovah Jehovah's witnesses. So well and that's this is the this is the real issue where there's a lot of people who are actually getting their theology from the likes of Jehovah's Witnesses. And um you know there's they're supposed to be, you know, Orthodox Christians. And how are you getting your theology from a henotheist who believes that God the Son is a lesser God. He's a uh, he's a ray of God's energy that's been expelled out of God. Uh, that this goes back to, you know, we, we we talk about Athanasius, right? Athanasius fought a theological war and got excommunicated for a time over the letter iota being used 
to describe the essence of Christ. It was either homoousius, which is a similar essence, or homoousius, which is a the same essence. That was the dispute that got Athanasius um, uh, excommunicated because the church was convinced um, at the, the church leadership at the time was convinced that uh, the the homoiousius argument was correct, and Arius had to be defeated. God the Son is of the same essence as God the Father, and there was a hundred year war in the church that raged about that. That's not an insignificant issue. But today, if if somebody got into a debate between homoousius and homoousius, everybody would be wondering, why are you so worried about all that nerd stuff? Right? Okay. Why are you worried about homos? <laughs> right, 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 right. It would be some kind of, you know, pithy response like that. And, and well, I'm, I'm kind of worried about a proper understanding of the, 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 the nature of God, the son, like, I, 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 I think that's a thing to be concerned about. Right. Yeah. Who, who Christ um, is, is kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah. A l- little bit, a little bit of a big deal. Um, and so the nerd stuff matters, uh, and people calling me a Pharisee because I want to have a very accurate understanding of the nature of God and a very accurate understanding of the function of the persons of the Trinity within my life. Um, well, I don't know what to tell you because I care about God and I want to understand God and I want to worship God through my understanding of him. And it seems that uh, uh, many people's theological um, – how do I want to say this? Uh, many people's uh, theological – acumen comes down to whether or not they enjoy the worship service. <laughs> um, was there good music, right? Like that's their, that's their, can, that, that's their, their uh, uh, metric is whether or not the music service was good. And nowhere in scripture does God give that as a standard. Um, I actually had this, this conversation with my wife, uh, you know, my wife used to be Pentecostal and, you know, she told me about all the, the grand things that were happening in her church. And, um, you know, she would tell me how she would dance like David danced. And so I asked a very simple question, you know, you go back and you look at that passage where David danced. Well, why was David dancing like that? Because there's a reason, right? He didn't just get excited and want to get happy, clappy about things. Like he, he was dancing for a reason. So what was that reason? Well, the reason was, is that he had just spent a very long time killing an ox every six steps to get the Ark of the Covenant from Obed-Edom's house to the temple of Jerusalem. Uh, that's a reason to dance. Now, the difference here is that before the big party that they were having, the reason why they had to park it at Obed-Edom's house, 
is because the Ark of the Covenant was being hauled around on an orcs uh, on an ox cart, and they were having a party around the ox cart while it's being paraded from Babylon to Jerusalem, and God split Uzzah in half because he tried to stop the ox cart from tumbling over and the uh, the Ark of the Covenant falling in the ditch. God preferred the most holiest of objects to be thrown in the mud than for his worship to be defiled. Um, and And they had to go back and they had to look at the scriptures to find out how to properly worship God. They had to go find the standard and they had to they had to recapitulate the standard, which was you walk six feet, you set the cart down, you kill an ox, you 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 pick it back up, you walk six feet, you set it back down, you kill another ox. That's what God demanded. And because the children of Israel wanted to take a shortcut, God killed a man, literally cutting him in half to stop their party. And so my question was, does your church look more like party where the Ark of the Covenant is being carried on an ox cart? Or did you do the work and trudge your way from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem? And that's why you're dancing. And if you can't say you're dancing because you did all the hard work and that you honored God with your sacrifice, then why are you dancing? Because God will judge you for that. But it's the cool thing to do, man. Smoke machines and worship is cool. Right. Well, I mean, that's the that's the the modus operandi right now, right? right. We're just gonna we're just gonna dance like that. That's what we need to do is dance. It, it's not that we need to honor God with our our good sacrifices that we just need we need you need to stop worrying so much about the doctrine man and you need to start worrying about you know are you really loving people and and that, that's just that that is pharisaical um that that is hypocritical because you say you love god but you deny the spirit of god his due by not listening to his word through the scriptures Sorry, my yeah. little rant there. I, I'm, I'm a little passionate about this specific issue. Well, I mean, and I'm, I'm okay. So we had a conversation before. So bear with me if I'm repeating stuff from the, in the actual recording. But Christ never condemned the Pharisees for, you know, their their standard of the law. In fact, if anything, he rebukes them for them not upholding the scriptures to the highest extent. And, right. and I think a lot of times we, we confuse that where, oh, well, if you hold scripture as your highest authority, then you're just a Pharisee. But where do we see that in scripture? I mean, where do we see anywhere within church history them degradating the doctrine other than when Christianity was on the decline? You know, like, like for instance, um, uh, 15th century Europe, right? 
we see doctrine on the decline. That's when heresy just starts going up. That's when they start losing the gospel. That's when, you know, thankfully a, a German monk decides to um, take a stand and, and he actually, you know, saved Christendom in the West um, yeah. through the power of God, obviously. Um, but where do we see this willful ignorance anywhere? I mean, because if you look at the epistles of Paul, it's slap full of nothing but teachings. You know, it, it's not, it's not this, this happy go lucky type stuff. No, he's just sitting there just feeling these, these people's heads up with, with knowledge and truth. Yep. And where do we see that in modern day evangelical culture? Well, you don't, and that's really the point, right? Like they're it's, it's a willful ignorance, um, and they 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 desire ignorance because they think it makes them. It, they, it, I I I don't I don't know. I some of the, I don't want to presume too much, but it seems as if they think they're less culpable if they don't know. That that's that seems to be the case. I, I don't I don't know that to be the case, but that seems to be the case. So to kind of turn this turn this a little bit, um, just a hair, we kind of see that the same way with um, Southern culture, right? We're we're willfully ignorant because we think it makes us look cooler or something. I don't know. Um, now I'll I'll play into my. In, in, into the dumb motif a little bit, but I'm never going to go, you know, as they said, in Tropic Thunder, I never go full retard. Um, yeah. and, and it's, there's a re like, I enjoy downplaying my, my intelligence, what little there may be, uh, to a certain extent, but I'm, I'm never going to go full ignoramus, you know, hot, you know, just fell off a turnip truck type guy. Um, I, I don't think that's, good for me or for anybody else around me and um i kind of think that whole I, i've just never understood it right like people are willfully just wanting to put blinders on and ignore things you know yeah big things well i think um i think some of it it's is leaning into the trope um, I know for me, I I lean into it because uh, they they never really see you coming, right? It it's and it's kind of funny to me that they never really see you coming. <laughs> um, if you if you play out the dumb card, if you if you play out, you know, oh, I'm just a dumb I'm just a dumb hillbilly. What do I know? Uh, and then when you get to it and you actually do know some things, they're they're I guess taken aback is a good word. Um, they don't know what to do with you in the very least. Uh, and I, I've, you know, I'll be completely honest. I just enjoy confounding the Yankees. Um, but it's, it's interesting to me uh, that I can, I can speak to fellow Southerns and they're okay with ignorance uh because they think they they think it makes them less well number one they don't think it's important they don't understand why it's important that you know things um which is a little frustrating 
because you'll you'll ask them uh you know you'll ask them about more practical knowledge and they'll have practical knowledge which is good um they just don't want theoretical knowledge even though theoretical knowledge is kind of the other side of knowledge you need both um so in, in, in a, I guess a little bit of the defense of the Southerns, I, I think they're I think a lot of it is them just playing up on the tropes. Um, but some of it is legitimate ignorance. So it's it's just you gotta you gotta parse between the two, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, because I, I know good old boys that can rebuild a transmission, but you know they can't. That that that's about the the, the extent is extent of their actual you know knowledge. They they couldn't. I don't think they could sit down and read a thick book anymore. Um, and, and not that they can't read. It's just that they haven't read since maybe middle school. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand, you know, playing into the trope because it's, it's kind of, kind of being that, that sly of serpents is and harmless as dove that Christ yeah. talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm following you, and I agree. Yeah. I I think it's um. I I think that. Uh, I think we could do with more openness about. Um, I think we could do with more open-minded pursuit of theoretical knowledge. I guess I'll put it that way. And I know that's kind of a, a big brain way of talking about it, but um, uh, I, I just think that that would be a better approach than leaning so much into the trope that you kind of become your own meme, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, it does. I, I, I feel like that's what we've done, is we just, we've turned into our own meme. Yeah, and, and I, so I, I realized that several years back, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm really just, you know, because the... Typically at my last church, people would play up, you know, they would, they would act like that. I didn't know anything. And I'm like, bro, I, I know more, I know more than you do. You know, you're just, yeah, yeah, you you know, you're just, you're just a better bullshitter than I am. Um, not, I'm not all that great at bullshitting somebody, but at the same time, like you're, you're going to sit here and make fun of me because I have, you know, allegedly I have an accent. I haven't heard it yet, but, um, allegedly I do. But you're you're gonna you're the one with the accent. Yeah, you're in my hometown. You have the accent, <laughs> Yankee. Um, <laughs> you filthy scumbag. But um, <laughs> no, I didn't really say that, but I wanted to a few times. But uh, <laughs> but um, I definitely read when the when the Yankees come in. Sorry, I interrupted your train of thought there. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I mean, but I I just I I don't know. I, I we should just do better. Like I don't really have much more to say other than we need to be better than what we are right now. Um, if we're gonna, you know, fend off the the oncoming uh, oncoming onslaught of Yankees. Yeah, and well, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of the podcast, right? is how can we as Southerns be better? And, you know, I've even defended playing into the trope some before. And, 
uh, you know, I, I exaggerate my accent when I'm talking to Yankees, especially. Um, my favorite is doing that on Xbox uh, uh, forums uh, when you're in the middle of a game and this dude just runs his mouth because he thinks he's better than you because he's a Yankee. Uh, that's always a fun one for me because then I can talk around them and, uh, I, I usually get them to fall for some stupid philosophical nonsense, uh, just cause it's fun for me. Uh, and then when they start, you know, saying, yeah, that makes sense. Then you undercut the thing that you just sold them on and make them look <laughs> retarded for owning it. It just <laughs> sounds like a long troll. Oh yeah, is. no, no, no. It's, by the time you get done, they're they're cussing at you hard, and not because you're from the south. Um, <laughs> and and you know you could do that to to the the best ones in my opinion are lawyers because they think they're way smarter than you, and they think they're way smarter than they really are. Um, you had me at lawyers. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've done it to a few Yankee lawyers. Um, and and that's not to say lawyers can't be smart. Um, but it's just to say that. Uh, when when people think too highly of themselves, I have that tendency to go after them in some way, and uh, you know I'm I'm you know before anybody says it, yeah, I deserve some of that too because sometimes I think too highly of myself. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and admit that, but um, yeah, just it, I I I love doing it to Yankees for obvious reasons. I, I had a joke, but I couldn't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> my, my train of thought is everywhere tonight. Doesn't help that I'm playing solitaire, but, you know, whatever. That's right, I, folks. We're live streaming solitaire. <laughs> yeah, this dude is, not me. You're building a PC like a digital, like you're not even building a PC. You're building a PC in a video game. All hey, right. Listen, don't judge me, okay? No, I'm not. Actually, I am. So, yeah, I know. Definitely judging me. I mean, you're a Pharisee. What can I say? <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole, the whole, you know, it's, it's like the whole, um, what is that? Um, is it from Jeremiah? My people perish from lack of knowledge. Isn't that yeah. the way the verse goes? And, yes. and we, we read that, but it's, it's, um, it's often translated as my people perish for lack of vision, but hey, let, let's bring that. Let's bring that up. Bring that stuff up, Jamie. Wait, what are we bringing up? My pe- Hold on. Yep. Yeah, Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. Everybody wants to say that it's my people perish for lack of vision. No, it's freaking knowledge, okay? Knowledge. Like, like why, why, I mean, why, why would we mistranslate that verse unless we were trying to get away with something, you know? I haven't do you one cool. better. I'm going to pull logos up. As School of Rock says, knowledge is power. <laughs> That's right. I just quoted PBS. Dang it. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm gonna pull up logos real quick because I'm gonna get to the I'm gonna get to the Hebrew. Uh, I only only do Greek. 
That's because you're a pagan. I think I've overextended my PC, my homie. <laughs> this guy's over here. He's trying to trying to stream games, pull up verses, and stream the entire time. That's right. All right, so let's go to King James. I'm pretty brutal on my my PCs, by the way. All right, so we're going to bring okay. up the Hebrew. Knowledge here. How to act. So, okay, so this is this is interesting. This adds a little bit of a, a, a nuance to this. Uh, knowledge here is knowledge or perception. Um, it's another use is skill, like in workmanship, creative skill, or of prophetic knowledge, or especially knowledge with moral quality, knowledge possessed by God, taught by God to men. Um, so this is, this is an interesting little context it's giving because it's, it's there, it's got the, it's got the bend to it where it's, it's that they haven't done the work, right? And they just don't have the perception of mind because they haven't done the work. That's very interesting to me. Well, when you said prophetic knowledge, it immediately drove me to, you know, what New Testament prophecy is is the exegesis of scripture, right? Like the the when the the the, the man of God or your elder gets up and, and preaches a word, he's literally prophesying to the congregation because he's exegeting the scriptures. And and I think that's that's very telling because especially in the context that we're talking about it in the um, they're rejecting the prophetic word because they're refusing to actually exegete the scriptures for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and that, and that's, that's ultimately what they had to do is they had to go back to the scriptures because that's what they refused to do from the, from the get go. Seems like there's, there's a theme here tonight. Go to the scriptures. Yeah, go to the scriptures and and do the legwork. Don't don't be lazy about how you go to the scriptures, which is another, you know, part of this whole conversation, right? It it's not, oh well, I read it. it it's like no, go go actually do the work, dig into it, uh, try to try to, you know, actually get out of the scriptures, what God put into the scriptures through the mind of the man who wrote that particular passage. What was that man trying to say to whomever his audience is, which you have to know who the audience is as well. Who was the audience? What was that man trying to say to the audience? And how was he saying it? And and then how was God speaking through that to, to the church at large? I, I, I don't want to say to you because that's a little trite, I think. But I, I think you get what I mean. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say to you though, um, what, what is the scripture saying to you now? Now, whenever I say that, I'm not saying that we should pull this out and apply it directly to us, but there is definitely application to be made to us because the scripture is written to us. However, 
I'm just concerned about the language is all. Right, okay, right, right. I, well, I'm, we're we're track. We're on the same page. I just like I yeah. said, I'm just concerned with the language. We, yeah, we we don't want to. You know, we're obviously not going to be solo scripturist. Um, which even though a lot of a lot of people try to hem us into that corner, yeah, it's not going to stick. But um, we 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 need to understand that Christ ordained well say christ the godhead ordained for us to read these scriptures therefore there are certain things within the scriptures to um that are every all scripture is profitable to every christian yeah not maybe in the same way that they were applicable to you know say the 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 ephesians or the philippians but they are profitable to us um so one of the things you know um I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast or not, but I'm going through an online seminary right now. And um, it's it, it's the, the first the first module that I've just been stuck on for it seems like forever is um, <laughs> is, is Bible study 100. And yeah, what, what they're wanting to push at is that, you know, you need to dig into the scriptures and everyone can dig into the scriptures like for instance they're, they're bringing up a lot of these resources that we need you know you, you use commentaries use lexicons use um use use historical background analysis and everything that they want me to use is 100% free on biblehub.com yeah so the only thing that's required of us is just our time to actually dig into the scriptures and then actually think about how that applies to us. How can we understand the scriptures to, to inform our actions today? I guess is, uh, I'm trying to say this in like several different ways to try to, um, make it more clear. Uh, I guess is a, is what I'm trying to do right now. Um, cause I, I know the, the specific language that gets used sometimes sounds weird or what do you mean by that? Or how, how, how am I supposed to take, I guess the, uh, I, I want to make sure what we're saying is very clear. I'll leave it at that. Hey y'all. Thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it and check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to DixiePolis at ProtonMail.com or send us a message on Gap. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at SouthernRaisedBluegrass.com. God bless y'all.
just a ghost.